Beavers! Welcome to another episode of Mama Earth Talk. I'm your host, Maris Canal. Realizing just how much waste we generate on a daily basis, I've set a personal goal not only to reduce, reuse and recycle, but to also educate the world about sustainability and how each of us can help preserve our beautiful planet. Thanks for listening. Let's dig in. Hello, Crazy Birds. I hope you guys are all doing well and just having a super fantastic day. Wherever it is that you are, I am so grateful to have you guys here and to share today's episode with you. Before I get into introducing our guest for this episode, who I am super excited for. I just kind of want to take a step back about sustainability and the environment and look at just as a reminder for ourselves that basically sustainability kind of has like three pillars that it's based on. So you have your social, your economic, and your environmental pillars. And I think a lot of the times we focus so much on the environmental one that we kind of neglect the social aspect, sometimes even the economic aspect. And I know money shouldn't just always be the main focus, but without those three pillars, sustainability can't stand. So social sustainability is something that is so close to my heart. And I think we underestimate the importance of that. And we ourselves cannot continue fighting this course and doing good for the environment if we're not doing good ourselves. I've seen over the last couple of years, ever since I kind of got into the space, so many people kind of come to a point where they burned out. They're going through emotional times and things just happen. Then They aren't able to give the amount of time and effort that they previously did to like, you know, these amazing environmental causes or standing up for some of the stuff that they believe in because mentally we are so, so exhausted. And I mean, it's happened to me where, you know, I just got to a point where I'm like, I'm so tired, I'm I'm finished. And that's when I realized that, you know, I was constantly giving everything, everything, everything that I had. And I was not putting anything back into Mariska, into, you know, making sure I eat healthy food to nourish my body, making sure I actually speak to myself in a way that I would like to be spoken to. So that put into perspective all of those things. And I really want you guys to just take a moment where you are, right there where you are, and just like think about one thing that you're actually grateful for today and say thank you to yourself for whatever it is that you're grateful for. Take a deep breath and remind ourselves that, you know, sometimes we do need to take that deep breath. Sometimes we do need to take, like hit that pause button and fill our cups before we run out Therefore, I'm so excited for today's guest because ever since I discovered her, she's really been such a crucial part on my journey of meditation and to like really be kind to yourself as well. 
So basically our guest today, she's a law of attraction and mindset coach, a clinical hypnotherapist, an NLP practitioner, and an EFT, which is emotional freedom technique practitioner, and the co-host of the podcast, Energy on Purpose. And she's on a mission to normalize energy work, manifestation, neuroplasticity, and the untapped potential of the subconscious mind to empower all women to be, do, and have everything she desires. Now, during this episode, we talked about really the importance of aligning your energy with the frequency that you want. We also looked at what the differences are between guided meditation, hypnotherapy, and neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. She also gave us some really great tips on how we can actually ground ourselves every single day, why it's important, and also gave us some really great tips on how we can start our journey with a purpose. Crazy birds, without any further ado, I would like to welcome Indira Dejdiar. Oh my gosh, Marika, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. Um, I mean, we just started chatting earlier and I just like say it is such an amazing honor to have you here. You've just got such a fantastic journey and everything that I've been following. So would you mind sharing a little bit with our crazy birds? How did your sustainable journey actually start? It started a long time ago. I'm going to age myself a little bit, but this started back in the 80s. So I vividly remember a sixth grade trip that we went to. This is elementary school for us here in the States. And we went to plant trees. And that single event of planting a tree and knowing that this action was going to be helping Mother Earth. This is oxygen. This is something that we were doing that for years to come, other people were going to be able to enjoy. From that point on, something clicked. I mean, I was president of the environmental club in high school. For the longest time, my email used to say like, Earth Day every day. I definitely have always been definitely in the green movement. And it's because I think I've always been keenly aware that we only have one mother earth, right? This is our only mama. And it's our responsibility to ensure that we do all that we can to take care of her. And now that I'm a mom, I have the responsibility to leave this planet behind for my son and hopefully for his sons, my grandkids, it's become much more urgent for sure. Well, I'm definitely, I might steal your, your email (laughs) tagline in there. I love that. That's amazing. And I've heard this quote so many times where they basically said, you know, the best time to plant a tree is like 20 years ago. The second best time is now. And that's like so true. You know, the moment you kind of get more connected with mother nature and you kind of see, gosh, like this is so much bigger than me. It's going to outlive me for sure. It has done so many people before me. 
yeah, it's just it just puts stuff back into perspective and, you know, to make sure that we use whatever energy and power we have to make sure that that happens, you know, or we try at least our damn hardest to to do that instead of just like going and sitting on the sofa and be like, oh, you know what? someone else's problem. I'm only going to live another like, you know, 60, 80 years and yeah, what happens happens, you know? So I think that that's really great for us to like, you know, step into that. And you have an amazing thing that you've started with your amazing, beautiful partner, Priscilla. It is called Energy on Purpose. And I would love for you just to tell our crazy bits a little bit about what is this like energy that's on purpose? Energy on purpose. So it's a twofold answer. The first thing I would say is it's a way of life. And my favorite quote is by Nikola Tesla, where he says, if you want to understand the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. We are all energetic beings. Everything is energy. Actually, that was our very first podcast. Everything is energy, right? And so Energy on purpose for us meant that everything that we had done up to the point where we decided, okay, now it's time for us to share. It was very intentional, all the work that we had done. And by work, I mean a lot of personal development work, the process of us becoming certified in our different modalities. Everything was on purpose. And the second answer to that is energy on purpose is it's our weekly podcast, as you mentioned. And I co-host that with my partner, who is also my fiance. She's my partner in business, my partner in life. We are on a mission. We want to normalize energy medicine, manifestation, your plasticity, and very much the untapped potential of the subconscious mind. Definitely. Oh, gosh, that's that's amazing. And I mean, one of the, the first episodes that you guys did and Crazy Birds, I'm going to link this in the show notes so you don't miss a thing. But that was titled like energy is everything. There was a quote that you guys used in there from Albert Einstein, which is like energy is everything and that's all there is to it. Match the frequency of the reality you want And you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy. This is physics. That was just so amazing. And I want to ask you, like, why do you guys say, like, why is making sure our energy is in line with that frequency that we want? Why is it so important to us? My gosh, because (laughs) what you feel is what you attract. A lot of people think that it's their thoughts, right? It's the what you're thinking that you're attracting, but it's not. It's your feelings because you can think, well, I'm going to think positive thoughts. But if your energy doesn't match that, then it's not in alignment. It's crossing and you're not going to be able to attract the things that you want and you want to match the frequency of whatever it is that you're trying to manifest. I love this example. This is an easy example to understand. If you want to tune in to the rock and roll station, for me, that's 105.9 FM, right? If that's what I want to listen to, I'm not going to turn into 102.7, which is playing 
the classic, it's not matching that frequency, right? You have to tune in to just the right station. That is exactly the same thing with your energy. You must be able to match whatever it is that you're trying to attract. And so I love to say that what you focus on expands. And so as you're focusing on the things that you want, there's going to be feelings that come up. And we have this amazing tool, right? Roz, which is your reticular activating system. And this is a tool that's working in your brain that literally acts as a filter. And so, for example, you know how when you buy a new car, all of a sudden, this car that you'd never seen before, and now it's everywhere. Everywhere you go, you're seeing your car, the make of your car, the color of your car. That's your ROS. That's your reticular activating system working for you, filtering. And that's because if we don't have that, then your brain is just going to be bombarded and overloaded with information as we are already, right? We're inundated with information. And so you use that reticular activating system to be able to focus on the frequency of the things that you want. So if you want to be in a joyful relationship, you better start getting joyful yourself, right? Yeah. You, You have to be in the frequency of joy in order to attract that as well. A lot of the times people... They say, well, I've been doing my positive affirmations and I haven't attracted that which I wanted to. And I'll often ask them, but how do you feel as you're saying those words? Do you even believe in it? Yeah. Because if you don't, the frequency, it doesn't lie. Your energy does not lie. And that's why that is so important. Yeah. Wow. That's that's amazing. Yeah, with the cars and everything. I've been seeing seeing loads of Teslas lately. <laughs> Maybe that is in in the in the line, but anyway, that that's so it's so so true and I kind of feel it's almost like a mirror. You get back whatever is reflecting, you getting back. So, you know, if you're going to be this like energetic person that sends love and energy to everyone no matter whether they've done something wrong to you or, you know, if you just go with all of this positivity, then, you know, that's reflecting back. I've always been a firm believer in that. And yeah, just by listening to so many of your things um, that you've been saying in the podcast, and it's just affirms that again, you know, that whatever that frequency and energy is, it's so, so important to make sure you're, you're focusing on the right stuff and you send out, don't have this like mismatch kind of thing. I mean, it's so important. Uh, You talk a lot about like the subconscious mind as well. And I've recently finished an amazing book by uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, The Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. (laughs) And I'm I'm literally looking at it right now. That was my first book. It is so, so great. Like I got mine from the library. So guys, like check your library as well. One thing that really shook me about this book that I was like, you know, was um, the fact that he said that 95% of who we are by the age of 35 sits in the same subconscious memory system in which the body automatically runs a program set of behaviors and emotional reactions 
In other words, kind of your body is like running the show. And I'm very close to 35. And I was like, oh my gosh, I still have like one or two years. Like, let's make this happen. My husband's past that. So I'm like constantly like reminding him about the fact that, you know, he's he's got that. But like, how do we have like kind of this like energy with purpose to like just untap the potential of the subconscious mind to really create and live our like best life. Okay, so the first thing I'm gonna say is, I hope it's not 35 because I found Dr. Joe Dispenza when I was 40. Oh, wow. So, (laughs) and I absolutely know that there, you know, we all have the ability to change. And so one of the things that Dr. Joe Dispenza is huge on that we love is the study of the neuroplasticity, right? And it's the fact that we absolutely have the potential to build new neural pathways. That means that all the BS, and by BS, I mean all the belief systems that you've had up until this point, you can reframe. Mm -hmm. And yes, 100%, it's challenging to build that new neural pathway, right? Because we're so, we're on automatic So we're so used to the habits that we have been creating and focusing on all our lives. But we absolutely have the ability to switch that up. And energy work is a fantastic way to check in with yourself when it comes as it pertains to like creating new neural pathways. And I like to give a perfect example. And that's creating habits, like an easy habit. I'm a huge fan of like James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits, where he talks about how it's so important to stack habits, right? Where something that you already do, and then you introduce a new habit to something you already do. Most recently, Mel Robbins's book, The High Five Habit. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend it if you have not read it. She also talks a lot about, you know, stacking a habit that you already do. And for her, it's brushing your teeth. When you are in the process of brushing your teeth, Right after you're done, look in the mirror and give yourself a high five. Why? Because a high five is a positive reinforcement in every culture, right? Every language, every civilization, they view this high five as a positive reinforcement. Therefore, you don't have to create a new neural pathway. That pathway is already there. So that's like a really easy way to have energy on purpose because what you're doing is you are you're being your own fan you're being kind to yourself and one of the things that she says and I'm a firm believer is that the most effective tool that we can use in our entire lives to really make fundamental changes is to be kind to ourselves to be loving to ourselves and that seems to be something that we just don't focus on. And it really should be the number one focus. I would tell your audience, like, I'm assuming that everyone that listens to this podcast is very much into the environment as I am. 
And I'm a big proponent that you have to take care of your own ecosystem, right? It has to start with you because if you don't have the energy to do good, to go out there and be an activist or just make the decisions that are sustainable because you can't for many reasons, then it's just like sitting on the couch. Exactly. Exactly. You need to kind of fill up your cup first before you can give to others because otherwise you keep on giving and if you don't fill up your cup, you're going to run on empty at some point. And what happens, I find a lot of the time is when when we're in the space of, you know, trying to like do good for the environment and, you know, we just give, give, give and give and we don't stop to take that moment for ourselves to like nourish ourselves and like fill up ourselves then at a point, we literally going to run to a point where we don't have anything left to gift. And that's when a lot of the times, you know, you break down and you do not recover from that. I find it's so, so important to like, just take that step back and don't worry about people judging you because you are not volunteering at a hundred different places now and you're taking care of yourself first. And a lot of the times I think when people have families and, you know, you want to do your best for your family, but then you're running low, then how can you give them the best if you don't nourish and return those stuff as well? So yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I love that. And those two books are actually on my waiting list to, to read. So I'm so happy you said that. Yes, they're both great. You'll love it. You'll love it. So just like reading uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's book and everything, I kind of, you know, saw the importance of starting to meditate and I'm by no means an expert. Uh, some mornings we, you know, run out of time or, you know, I didn't hear the alarm and you do mess up and I forget to meditate first thing in the morning and I try to like do it somewhere in, in the day or in the evening. But it has really changed like my outlook and also how I perceive my day and how I start my day. It's really put stuff in perspective. And there's so many questions that I've been getting about meditation and like kind of what is it and like how do you put it in a nutshell and then a lot of people are like there's so many other things like hypnotherapy like you know what what is that all about so I mean can you explain to us what is the difference between a kind of like a guided meditation and hypnotherapy? I get this question all the time I'll have clients like, should I book a, hip, a hypnotherapy or can I just do a guided meditation? So in a nutshell, so guided meditation focuses on like more general goals, right? It's like clearing your mind. Don Dapani would say it's about setting your intention. He likes to use the, the example of putting the GPS in your car that, you know, when you sit down in, in, in your meditation, you have an intention. So you know where you're going. As you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, his meditation is very specific, right? And it's, it achieves like a complete state of relaxation. So I would say it's more for general. General, it sometimes can be specific. A lot of people do like money manifestation as part of the guided meditation. Whereas Hypnotherapy is more focused on very specific goals, such as I want to stop smoking. 
that's a huge one that I work with on my clients are, you know, just breaking any kind of addiction. So that's where I think is the difference. Hypnotherapy is very focused on a specific goal. And, you know, guided meditation is more, I feel, on general goals. And you are also a NLP practitioner. So that's like neuro-linguistic programming. What exactly is that? And how's that again different from like hypnotherapy? Okay. Again, I get this question (laughs) all the time and I understand. I understand why I get this question. So hypnosis is like, it's a very specific set of tools and techniques, and it helps you enter into a trance-like state, right? We tap into the subconscious mind. And when I'm with my clients, I'm working to give them direct suggestions because we're focusing on a specific goal. So with Mm -hmm. hypnosis, I'm using several relaxing techniques. There's the process called induction, where I'm actually bringing you down to that trance-like state. And I take my clients into the alpha or the theta state, right? I'm guiding them to their own learnings and their integrations. NLP, and that's, yes, as you mentioned, neuro-linguistic programming, there's no formal induction to NLP. And it doesn't use the same tools and techniques as hypnosis because you're conscious. You're, You're using both your conscious mind and your unconscious mind. So the techniques are used primarily as a personal development, right? It's, it studies how humans think and how they experience the world. And it provides a tool that's very effective to change human behavior and capacity. So it's, it's really based on the idea that body and language they interact to create an individual's perception or like the map of the world. And so with that perception, there's behaviors and you can change that behavior by applying certain techniques. So NLP will say, if you change how you think, you can change how you feel. And if you can change how you feel, you can change your world, right? So at the end, At the end of the day, NLP and hypnosis, they're both used to help people get what they want, right? Hypnosis is for a specific goal. NLP is used for personal development. And I use hypnosis in my NLP sessions. Oh, wow. And I use NLP in my hypnosis sessions. So they're a beautifully complementary way to work for sure, which is why when you become an NLP practitioner, you are certified as a clinical hypnotherapist because it's so complementary. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I never kind of knew like, you know, how the two blend together and come together. That's so fantastic. I've never done hypnosis before, so (laughs) I might want to like try that at some point and see how that goes. Because like, I think a lot of people sometimes still are a bit scared, you know, when it comes to certain um, things like that. And like now when, when you mentioned, you know, when you go from your alpha and your beta and like all the different brains and things, and that's exactly what was kind of covered in Dr. Joe Dispenza's book. So I cannot like recommend that <laughs> strong enough. Like it is like such a great book to read and to really understand why you're doing things because like rewind a few years back, I 
have a lovely friend that now lives in the US and she started getting into meditation and I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know about this. This is a bit weird. Like, honestly, you, you, you're becoming this like hippie person. What do you do? And like the other day I was talking to her and I was like, honestly laughing. And she's like, why are you laughing? And I was like, you know, I meditated today. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad you kind of joined, you know, you're a bit late to the party, but I'm glad you're here. So it's really, um, you know, so eye opening to see what can happen when, you know, you just kind of take that step back and that leap of faith and try something new. Just as a backstory, I became a clinical hypnotherapist because I used hypnotherapy. I actually, prior to becoming a mom, like once I knew that I was going to start the journey of, okay, now we're planning for a family there was a lot of childhood trauma that I needed to heal. And I didn't just traditional therapy. I knew was not what I was looking for. I wasn't looking to like go to somebody's office, sit down in a chair and just talk. I wanted something differently. And so I actually did art therapy in conjunction with hypnotherapy. So they would actually talk about my sessions for 18 months. And that was absolutely transformative, life-changing. Like I cannot say enough for what those two modalities did for me. And so from that point on, I became a huge proponent of hypnotherapy. When you're tapping in your subconscious mind, there is so much there that you don't even realize, right? In your conscious mind, sometimes your conscious mind has in order to protect you has kind of blocked it. So you can never really dig in unless you go digging. Exactly. And, and, you know, sometimes a lot of the stuff, we kind of block it out and, you know, we don't really want to go back and experience some stuff. And I mean, a lot of us, we kind of carry around like, you know, a heavy weight This is like, you know, mentally or, you know, whatever happened to us in the past. And a lot of us stay stuck in that past, whether, you know, we're not able to kind of forgive someone for something that they've done or, you know, we felt we've missed opportunities or something. And we kind of, you know, always linger on that. You know, you get a lot of people that always talk about, oh, you know, the good old days when we did this. And, you know, you kind of always stay in this like little loop in the past. And, Something that I would love for you to maybe share with us as well. I've kind of had a little bit background on that story from you, but like in 2020, you literally cut off all your hair and I would love for you to just like share that story and that journey with us. So in 2020, April of 2020 was the five year anniversary where I lost my 23 year old nephew to suicide. As an energetic being, I know that I was carrying and holding on to the energy from that day. And by that day, I mean the day that I got the call. You know, that energy was in my body. And I had done so much work up to that point to really heal that trauma that I felt the only place left where that trauma and that energy was, was in my hair. And so on the day of his anniversary, I shaved my head completely just 
decided that energetically, I no longer wanted to be there. I was letting go. And I had shed who that person was. And the only thing that was still the same was my hair. And so that needed to go. I needed that rebirth. And it was a lot of things, right? I mean, I had short hair to begin with, but I certainly had never shaved my head. It's a, I can tell you that when I was doing it, my hand was trembling because, you know, it's, you, you, you can't take it back. This is not going to grow out right away. Exactly. You know, it's months, but it was such a cathartic experience. And I felt like what I needed to release was released. So I I loved, I loved doing it. And I would recommend everyone to, if there is something energetically that you are holding onto and you know that you have done the work, the inner work, and you've shed that and it's, you feel that energy in your hair, shave it. It grows back. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's, that's actually such a lovely story. And like, I kind of feel like I'm a bit tearing at this point. In 2015, I actually lost my father. So, you know, it was like something that you kind of, you know, go through and like no one can really kind of explain what it is that you go through. And, you know, as I was going through this journey, I have not shaved off my hair. I might... I might do that. But you know, it's 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 something that I feel when someone has actually broken their leg and they've got crutches and you know, you've got a brace on and everything, you know, everyone kind of knows, okay, this person cannot go and run a marathon at this point, or they cannot, you know, walk like, you know, for hours on end because they they have an issue with their leg. So people kind of, you know, have empathy around it. They kind of help you in fact, but when you've got something that is inside, you know, when you're working on these emotion, when you lost the loved one, people can't really see that when you walk down the street. And I feel like that whole empathy type of thing, it's, it's sometimes lost. And as we're healing, the world is not a very kind and nurturing place always. So it's really hard to like juggle that. And I can understand how people would struggle with something like that. Yeah, I just I just absolutely love that you shared that with us. And yeah, like we all go through through some stuff and to kind of get to that point, I think is is wonderful. And I mean, that kind of brought you to the amazing person that you are now as well when you go through some of these things. First, I want to say I'm so sorry for your dad's loss. Oh, thank you. I do have to say that I am a big proponent that out of any tragedy, if you can look for the lesson, what can I take away from this? What can I learn? After my nephew's passing, one of the things that I've always had a lot of self-awareness, I knew right away that I needed to I needed help to process this. This was too big for me to do on my own. Again, I'm not the typical uh, stereotypical like therapist. So what did I do? I did longboard therapy. So I literally learned how to ride a skateboard as part of my therapy. But what that was in conjunction with was mindful meditation. Because riding a skateboard, learning how to ride a board is mindful meditation. I cannot be focused on anything else because I'm going to fall. 
And along with that, the other component that was part of my therapy was gratitude journaling. So I say that my nephew gave me a gift. He gave me the gift of becoming someone who now consistently does a gratitude journal, thanks to him. And I learned this beautiful skill of writing a skateboard, but he also brought mindful meditation into my life. And so that's how I choose to take that big T, which is, you know, big T trauma. I always look for what am I, what am I supposed to learn from this? Yeah, that is something that, you know, we can all like kind of take away from this. And I find it's it's really so so ironic or something because you know when you said you're learning to skateboard I actually just started learning skateboard but that's that wasn't really for like you know kind of I I always just want to learn something new so I started teaching our French bulldog to go on the skateboard and to skateboard and then I thought why am I teaching this dog to skateboard? I don't even know to skateboard. So I'm signing up to these classes to actually learn to skateboard myself. I love it. I love it. I love seeing the French bulldog. Is it a bulldog? Yeah, it's a French bulldog. So we we actually saw a French bulldog uh, skateboarding like on Instagram. And then I contacted them and I was like, what board is he using? And they just like send me all the specifications. So I went to the skate shop and like for her first birthday, we decided, okay, let's get her a skateboard. And like, I oh gave them all of the specifications and they're like, is this for a dog? Like, are you sure? Like we've never had a dog client before. And I was like, oh, like we can start something here. So yeah, so she's, she can sit on it and she can go, but she hasn't like, like learn fully to like jump on and like take a leap. We're still getting there. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I love it. I and love it. I mean, just by having her in my life, that's been such a like eye opener for me too, because we adopted her and going through all that process of, you know, having all of her issues and anyone listening, like reconsider if you ever want to get a French bulldog. They've got loads of health issues. But yeah, it's it's just been phenomenal. And she's one of the things that kind of helped me every day when I go to the park and I go out and I like step out of like my daily, you know, habits. And just like I feel like kind of grounding myself every single day, because when we go to the dog park, I'm the only person that actually take my shoes off at the dog park and like walk barefoot on the grass. And I absolutely love it. Yes, sometimes I step in something that's not very fun, but at least I don't have shoes to clean after. I just like wipe down my feet and that's all good. That brings me kind of to like a grounding routine that you and Priscilla has mentioned on your podcast previously. And I would love for you to kind of share about why it is, first of all, important for us to kind of just like ground ourselves every single day. And like, how do you guys ground yourself? Oh yeah. <laughs> even, even you describing it. And I, I think like uh, Priscilla and I are in the process of planning our wedding. And one of the things that I told her is I definitely want us to marry barefoot because I want to be grounded. And so we actually live in an apartment building, a condominium is what is referred to here in the States. So we're in a high rise and we don't have the luxury to just step outside 
and take off our shoes and ground in that sense. So one of the things that we do is we actually use a spoon, just a regular old spoon, and we do eighths on our feet and we ground in that way. But whenever I go outside to walk Woody, my dog, I always take off my shoes. I ground and I also touch the trees. It's for me, it's like so important to connect to the vibration of the tree. I am literally a tree hugger. Like I'm sure my neighbors have seen me drive by and I'm hugging the tree and connecting to the tree and just taking that moment. And part of our routine, we do a daily energy routine, which is more than just grounding and several exercises that we do. But grounding is a non-negotiable and it's just connecting to mother earth, connecting to the core from our core chakra. You know, I like to visualize that for us, because we're in the building, that it's this cord that's going all the way to the root chakra to mother earth and just literally grounding me for that day. And you know that you're grounded if somebody comes up from behind and doesn't startle you. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's one quick way to know whether someone is grounded or not. If they're, if you're easily startled, somebody comes from behind and says like, Hey, and you're like jumping up, then you're not grounded. And so that that's an easy way for, Oh, I didn't ground today. Cause if you are fully grounded, that wouldn't startle you. Gosh, that's such a great thing. I never, I never realized yeah. that. I'm, I'm going to start scaring people and see whether they grounded. And if they're not, I'm going to be like, hey, you know, we need to ground today. Like, let's do something that can ground you. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just like so amazing. So when you have the spoon, when you do the eight, is it like the little flat side or is it the side or like what must the spoon so, be? <laughs> so on your foot, on the bottom of your foot, yeah. you're literally doing the figure eights. Okay. And that's like kind of the little bowl. So you, you do it like with the spoon like this and not like on the side. No. So with the bot, I wish okay. I had a spin with, with the bottom of the spoon, you literally just do okay. figure eights. And again, you do that also to make sure that your polarities are in place, right? You want to make sure that your polarities are in place, but we do that because we unfortunately cannot just go outside, take off our feet and just, you know, connect with the soil and mother earth. You yeah. can't do that because, you know, and so many of us now live in apartment buildings, exactly. but you can still ground. You absolutely can. I love that. And I mean, yeah, we're in an apartment as well. We don't have real grass. You know, it's like, so going to the park is such a treat and just to be able to find that grounding. And I absolutely love how you kind of write women like I want to go back to that. <laughs> I've noticed, I'm not, I'm not sure if any other people have noticed like that listen to your podcast or anything or have seen, you know, writing when you when you write actually women. So you've removed the E in women and you've put a little X in that. What is the reason behind behind that? So I am a feminist. I am a hardcore feminist. I am a queer woman. I use women with an X because I want to avoid any like sexism in the standard spelling, which contains the word man, right? I'll give you a perfect example. So my first language is Spanish. In Spanish, the word for woman is mujer. 
And the word for men is hombre. It's two very, I mean, French, Italian, any language, right? It's two completely different words. And the word mujer and hombre does not have the men inside the woman. They're completely different words. I, I don't understand why the man has to be in the woman. And so I see it as like a feminist, like, no, I'm taking ownership of my gender identity and there is no men in it. it. So the X comes into that. It's a very. I love that. And, you know, thinking about it, because my first language is Afrikaans. Men in Afrikaans is man and the woman is fro. So it's completely different as well. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time I'm actually it's... thinking about that. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I love yes. that. I'm definitely going to start writing it like that and see uh, what people, you know, think about this. They'll probably like, how do you pronounce this? <laughs> yeah, I've heard some other people, they use W-O-M-Y-N, like for the trans community or the non-binary community. But I am a cisgender woman. And so I'm, I fully own the X. I love that. That's amazing. Oh, (laughs) awesome. And Indira, I mean, like, geez, we've covered so much already, but would you mind giving us maybe like a few like quick and easy tips or techniques like for our crazy birds that they can kind of do if they want to start like their journey for like energy with purpose? I just went to my son's fourth grade uh, career day and I taught them this. And and that is the high five habit. Get into the habit of looking in the mirror. So many of us don't look in the mirror and get into the habit of looking in the mirror and damn it, say something nice to yourself. You are amazing. You are a work in progress. I'm here for it. I'm on your team. Have a great day. Whatever it is, any positive mantra and so important to look in the mirror and do that high five. Really, it it changes your energy, I promise you. And in conjunction with that, I would say like gratitude journaling. And I don't care if you actually write it down because I know some people really have resistance mm. to that. There is science behind why writing is so important, not just like typing it. But if all it means is like thinking what you're grateful for, that shifts your energy. If there's one thing you can do to shift your energy now, it's having gratitude for what you have because it forces you to be in the present. You mentioned earlier how we're so busy living in the in the past or the, you know, foreseeable future, but we're not here in the now and the present. The only moment that we really have, right? Gratitude brings you brings the focus back to the present. Oh, that's that's amazing. And that's something that I've been starting to do. So um, it's still early this morning, so I haven't sat down and wrote my my stuff. But normally what I try to do is every single day, I've got like a piece of paper that I write, you know, what is my intention for the day? And what is three things that I'm grateful for? And I put it right in front of me, like when every time I'm working on the computer, I can see it. It's right there in my face. (laughs) 
And yeah, that's that's just amazing. So definitely crazy vids. Just start with one thing. And I'm I'm going to link in the show notes as well the High Five Habit, uh, your podcast episode as well. So people can go there. And also the book of Amel Roberts. That's like on my list, like going <laughs> going through it. But Indira, what has been one of your most important decisions that you have made around Mama Earth? To do the little things. I think that often we get so cut up, like we want to change the world. Start little, start in manageable things. Do things that you are going to consistently do. When we want to go big, we are working on motivation and motivation does this. So the most important thing I've done is to do little things. And I can tell you that from where I started to where I am now has improved exponentially, but it was because I did little things and I wasn't harsh on myself. If I went out and I had a, you know, drink something in a plastic straw, I didn't judge myself for it. It happened to be there. It was at a restaurant. Mm. Do I use plastic straws? Hell no. We have beautiful stainless steel straws. Like, why not do that? It's it's reusable. It, it makes everything taste better. Why not? So I would say do the little things that you can consistently do because it's the little consistent things that you do that are going to make the difference. And I think people misjudge what they can do in a day. Like sometimes we try to pack our day so full and then, you know, we're disappointed because we couldn't get to everything. But we so much misjudge what is possible in one year, what is possible in five years. But it all starts with that, like first step and one step at a time. So, yeah, thank you so much for that. I am going to move into our final five. So first one is what is one social media account or publication that you actually follow? Darren Aline. Absolutely. Darren Aline of Down to Earth. He wrote Super Life. Oh, he's he's amazing. Absolutely love him. And it's a great book as well. I'll link that in the show notes as well. Crazy bit. So much uh, to learn from there. Tune in to the Darren Aline Show, the podcast and the Fatal Conveniences. His Fatal Convenience segment is amazing and it gives you immediate solutions. Oh, I, I love it. And, you know, with so many of those fatal conveniences, if you if you're not really 100 percent ready to give it up, like I would say, give that episode maybe a miss, because otherwise you'll just be like, I've got no choice. I'm giving it up like like this. This this is mind blown. Um, I absolutely love all of his stuff. And what is your hope for Mama Earth going forward? My hope is that people take better care of their inner ecosystem so that they'll be motivated to take care of our mama earth, that we move towards, you know, a more collective, like a alternative lifestyle that we know, like, this is it. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. And what advice can you give our crazy birds this week to actually like help out mama earth? I'm going to go back to take care of yourself. Put on your oxygen mask and caring for the earth starts with caring for your ecosystem. And what is one sustainability fact that you like to use in a room with people that is not yet on a sustainable journey? With the single plastic use. Stop. 
And Indira, where can people actually find you and Energy on Purpose? So definitely come to our website, energyonpurpose.com. We are Energy on Purpose across all social media channels. Oh, I love that. And yeah, so I'm going to link that all up in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for being a super fantastic guest and just like learning so much from you. It's just been amazing. Ah, thank you. You're amazing. And thank you for what you're doing, for the work that you do and for putting this out there because we need more people like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Huge thank you for our amazing guest for being on the podcast and for sharing their journey with us. You can find the show notes of this episode on the MamaEarthTalk.com's website. The biggest thank you goes out to all of you crazy birds for listening to the podcast. If you have not already listened to all of the episodes, you can go back to a few of them. You will absolutely love them. I really enjoyed recording every single one of them and I really hope that you enjoy listening to them. There's over a hundred episodes so if you feel a little bit lost on which one to listen to next, maybe select one of the episodes with guests that you might want to know more of and start from there. If you enjoy the episodes, why not tell a friend about the podcast and maybe share an episode with them. Let them know that we are here and we are waiting for them with open arms and they are all very welcome to join the crazy birds globally. If you have a question for me, please send them over. The best way to get in contact with me would probably be a DM on Instagram. You can either send it to my personal, which is at Zero Waste Mariska, or the podcast, which is at Mama Earth Talk, or send me an email at hello at mamaearthtalk.com. If there's a particular guest or topic that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. I love to hear from all you crazy birds. New episodes are uploaded every second Monday, so make sure to subscribe that you do not miss a thing. Mama Earth has a voice, and it's us crazy birds.